book of Jude. Amen. A small little book. But we're just going to deal with a verse tonight. Amen. Amen. I had a thought today, and I preached on this before, and I found my old notes, but I got a, something I was thinking about. Trying to think about what to preach. See, now I finished Colossians, and uh, I've been wrestling with what to preach. Something happened last night, and uh, so I just thought I'd preach this and uh, see what happens. Amen? Amen? Verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Lord, I ask you to bless tonight's service. God, be thou magnified in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, a lot of people want to take this verse and apply it a lot of different ways. And I just want to show you what I got out of it. Uh, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, you talk to an average Pentecostal, and they'll believe that you praying in tongues. Right. That ain't what's talking about. Right. Amen. Nope. Now you can look at it this way. Praying in. In there, you gotta understand what it's saying, right? Right. Like being in this room, you're in. You're in the spirit. Right? Right. But think about this. What about praying in the Holy Ghost? Meaning, bring them, bringing in somebody. You understand? You ever, you ever think about praying in the Holy Ghost? <laughs> right? Praying him that he'll show up. That he'll come and make his presence known. A lot of people assume that you're in the Spirit, and because you're in the Spirit, the Spirit comes upon you, then you begin to speak in another tongue, and they think that's praying in the Holy Ghost. What about praying in the Holy Ghost, asking Him to come and move in our services in our lives? Right. Hello? <laughs> Lord, would you get in this thing? Would you get in this church? Would you get in this service? Would you get in the deeds, the soul winning, the witnessing, the praying, the money, the giving? Lord, would you get in this thing? Do you ever think about it like that? I thought that's pretty good, don't you? Yeah. Praying in the Holy Ghost. We need to have him involved in everything we do. Yeah. Don't we? Yep. We need God's involvement. Jesus said... Go ye and tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued on high. Amen. And in Acts 2, it talks about them, uh, uh, the Spirit of God baptizing them. Amen. And being baptized in the Spirit. But listen, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes inside you. Right? And then you get immersed in Him. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit into Christ. Right? There's a dual immersion. He's inside of you. You're inside of him. Amen. You become bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. You become one with God. Amen. Amen. And, uh, but we need the Holy Ghost involved in our lives. Right. 
He may be in us, but is He operating in our life? Right? We go about our daily deeds. We get up, we go, we eat, we work, we uh, do our daily activity and our business, and then we go out through a mechanical system and witness and pass out tracts and do things and sing songs and go to church. We come, we sit, we rise, we sing, we give, we laugh, we shake hands, we go on. Is he involved? Amen. A lot of people go through their prayer list, and they just... They just say words. They just say their little prayer list and they go on. But did God show up and do something? Praying in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Amen. When's the last time you prayed until He touched you and showed up? When's the last time I prayed and got through? Now, Jack Hyle said the old time, Holiness used to call it praying through. He said, Baptists call it nothing because they never do any of it. Amen, right? But I'm talking about when you got down with God and you prayed with God and you stayed till he answered. That's, That's some serious praying. God, I ain't getting up until you show up. You know, I heard revival comes years ago. They said, draw a six-foot circle on the ground. Get in the middle of it. Don't get out till God sends revival. <laughs> you talk about having a time. So, Lord, I ain't moving till you bless. God, I ain't, I ain't getting up till you bless. I'm not going to eat again till you bless. God, I need you. God, my family's going to hell. My country's going to hell. Our church is going to hell. Everything's going to pot. Lord, I'm sick of normal. I'm sick of just a regular activity. God, I need to get through to you. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't you like to pray, man? Right? Pray men. I'd like them to come in. I'd like them to be active in my life. I'd like to have a daily communion and walk with Him. I'd like Him to tell me I'm His own and I tell Him He's my own. I love Him and adore Him and have fellowship with the Spirit of Christ. Amen. You want to pray, Amen. You know what you need? You need a personal relationship with Him. Huh? What? What do you Personal. Personal relationship. Amen? The Bible said in the book of Jude, let's, or Job, let's look in the book of Job. Book of Job, 22, I think it is. Job 22, verse 21. Amen. Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. You know what God wants us to do is get acquainted with him. 
We, we asked him to save us. We got born again, but somehow after we got saved, we go along in our life and just somehow don't maintain the fellowship. Christianity, salvation is a personal relationship. Chapter 22, verse 21. Look up at verse 17. He says, which said unto God, depart from us. What can the Almighty do for them? Isn't that something? Look at chapter 21, book of Job, verse uh, 14. Therefore, they say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. That's where America's at today. That's where the American church is at today. Verse 15, For what is the Almighty that we should serve Him? What profit should we have if we pray unto Him? (laughs) What's in it for me if I take time of my life out to spend some time to bark in the air towards heaven and then Him not come and do nothing? He's not a very good vending machine. I got more success out of Visa and MasterCard than I do getting on my knees and crying and sweating and blowing snot. Amen. It's a vain ritual. Because I know people that will labor and fast and push away from the table and they got less than I have. You know, the average preacher don't even know how to pray anymore. All he knows how to do is write letters and call people and say, hey, I got this need. You You think you guys can throw a few hundred bucks my direction? That's how they... They really say, you know, would you pray for me? I got, I got a need. But a lot of times they're saying, hey, uh, would you check up an offering in your church and send it my way? When's the last time we really got on our face and prayed and believed God would do something supernatural for us without the intervention of mankind? Amen. A personal relationship with God. These people don't have a personal relationship with God. God said, acquaint thyself now with Him. Right? With the Almighty. And then what he say over there? 22. 22, 21. And be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. <laughs> Amen. Look at what he says. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in thy heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be what? Build up. <laughs> and shall put away iniquity far from thy tabernacle. You know, what he's trying, you know what he's trying to tell us to do? Clean your life up. Get to where you can get on praying ground. Praying in the Holy Ghost. People think that there's some kind of uh, mystical way you ought to be praying. It ain't whether you hack. It ain't whether you cough. It ain't whether you scream. It ain't whether you cry. It's where you pour your heart out to God and then He hears you and intervenes. I want God to show up. In my praying time. Last night I got called and asked for a prayer request. God came and broke my heart. Amen. Every now and then He'll show up, and I, I begin to it just begin to bubble up in me, and I begin to just weep. I couldn't stop crying, and I begin to pray and try to pray for. I can hardly get words out crying for the need of this individual. 
God showed up. He did something in my heart in a mighty way. I can't, I can't even explain it. I just knew that God was having me intercede in behalf of this individual with a broken heart. Tears just flowed automatically. It wasn't fake. It wasn't put on. It just happened. Amen. A few times in my life that's happened. That was one of them last night. That I, somehow uh, the Spirit of God just welled up and just began to bubble over in me. I can't explain it. There was a time I watched a video about some missionaries and God began to break me and I went and I went and I prayed. And God, I just wept for a couple of hours, just bawled and bawled. I don't know if I interceded for somebody. All I could do was just weep and just, just bawl and bawl and bawl. You say, preacher, what is, I don't know what that is. But if that was God blessing me and bubbling up in me and helping me with some holy groanings, which I wasn't making some charismatic gibbling mess, I'm just saying there was something I just, I just poured out. My, my soul was just felt like it was overflowing in me, and I just poured out to God with something. I don't know what it was. It ain't tongues. I'm just saying my heart was just poured out before God. Weeping and crying, and I and I'm praying, and, and I asked my daughter to pray, and uh, she's praying, and I'm just I'm just bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. I almost had to try to suppress it. It was unusual. Personal relationships, you know what? We better make sure our relationships right with Him. Right. Better make sure our relationships are right. Amen. Yeah. Let's go to Psalm sixty-eight. Psalm 68. David says over here, I'm sorry, 66. Psalm 66. He says, uh, verse 18. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know, most people's problem in their relationships is a heart problem. Yep. Bitterness, envy, strife, frustration. They get to where they get something in their heart against somebody. We better make sure all our hearts clear against people. Amen. Amen. Better make sure we ain't got nothing against God. How can we go around complaining and griping and grumbling about somebody and then go to God and act like everything's all right? You know, if we spend as much time talking to God in prayer as we do complaining and griping and grumbling and, and uh, uh, gossiping, I think God would do something for us. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. But this is what I like about that verse. But, verse 19, Verily God hath what? Heard me and hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Isn't that a blessing? Hey, man, you get your relationships fixed up. God will answer your prayer, and it'll be attentive to it. Well, that's a good thing. First Peter chapter number 3. I'm just talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Trying to get Him to show up and do something. Right? Getting God to move. You ever get God to move? Huh? Right now, I know church is struggling right now. You know what they need? They need God to move. Right. They need God to show up. They got to pray in the Holy Ghost to solve their problem. Amen. Amen. But 
But you got to get your personal relationship right with him. Then you got to get it right with others. 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife and the weaker vessel, as honor to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together to the grace of life, that your prayers be not what? Hindered. You know what? Marital relationships, amen, can hinder your prayer life. You're not right with the wife. The wife's not right with the husband. Usually the problem in the marriage is what? Well, the bottom line is, is somebody's not doing their responsibilities. And I'll get to that in a minute. Amen? And because of that, somebody else thinks it's their, their responsibility to voice their concerns. And then words begin to go back and forth. Hello? Right? And then they begin to start saying things. And then they let all the water out of the dam, amen, and the lake runs dry. And they need God, and where's he at? Hello? Verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But as the face of the Lord is against them that do what? Evil. We, we, we better make sure we got our relationships lined up. Number two. Amen. With the Savior, with the spouse, and what about with the saints? Huh? Have a relationship right with the Savior. Right? Amen. Have our relationship right with the spouse. The relationship right with the saints. Well, I tell you what, we ain't right with the church people. We ain't ever gonna pray the Holy Ghost in. Amen. Come on. <laughs> amen. Listen, churches are splitting. Amen. Listen, more, churches got more splits than the average bowling alley. Amen. Amen. They got to get right with the saints. I ain't worried about how much you write with the world. You better be right with your church. You better be right with your spouse. You better be right, amen, with the Savior if you want to pray in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right? What about this? What about your personal responsibilities? You know, you know what he says over there? Let's look at Leviticus. See if I can find it. Hey Amen. I ain't got this down. Well, I tell you what, God God's interested in us doing our personal responsibilities. I get it. Uh, I'm sorry. Levitic Exodus 21. Instead of Leviticus, it's Exodus. This, this is something to think about. We're talking about fulfilling personal responsibilities, right? Right. He said, uh, verse 9, If he have betrothed her unto a son, and shall deal with her after the manner of daughters, if he take him another wife, her food, her raiment, and her what? Duty of marriage shall not be diminished. You know what? There's a duty in marriage. You know what God's interested in? God's interested in us fulfilling our duties, our, our responsibilities. Did you ever think about that? Huh? 
No, you never thought about that? Amen. Second Chronicles talks about it as the duty of every day requires. Ezra says the same thing. Deuteron or Ecclesiastes, let's look at that. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes twelve. Ecclesiastes twelve. He says, verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Are you doing your duty? Are you doing your duty towards God? Are you doing your duty towards your, the headship of your house, the leadership, the position that God puts you in, the station in life that you're at? Listen, children, do you obey your parents? Is it right? Lord, wives, do you submit? Husbands, do you love? Amen. Listen, there's things, there's responsibilities that every saint of God has towards God, towards the Bible, towards church. There's duties that people have in the marriage. Amen. And the problem in the home is that usually somebody's not fulfilling their responsibility and somebody steps up to fulfill that position. And friction and contention and strife begins to come in because of that. Personal responsibilities. 12, 13. Right? Listen, Christian, outside of your marital duties and everything, you have a duty with your Bible. Amen. Amen. You have daily devotions. <laughs> right? Amen. Your duty, your responsibility. You have a Bible. You have a responsibility to read that Bible as a child of God. You know what my uncle told me? He had a guy come up and talk to him. He goes, he said, well, he said, I don't read very much, but I make sure I get in one verse of Bible a day. <laughs> hey, man, I don't pull my weight around here. I just pick up a feather. <laughs> I'm going to go weightlifting. I'm going to carry two feathers today. Boy, you're really going to build some muscles, ain't you? Listen, you want to build spiritual muscles, you got to get in the book. Amen. You got to search the scriptures. Jesus said, search them. Amen. Paul said, study them. Amen. Amen. We must seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. We should be in the book. Those are things God asked us to do. Amen. Listen, how would you like to face God and never have read all the way through this thing one time? Wouldn't that be a shame? God wrote every word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. We ought to read this thing and go through it. Through it. It's not just a pastor's responsibility. I, as a pastor, have a different responsibility. I'm to feed the sheep. I get in the word, find things, put it together, bring it out, serve it to you. But it's your responsibility to read it and make sure. The Bible says, look in Acts. Look in Acts 17. Amen. This is a responsibility of a child of God. Verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word how? With all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Listen, it's a child of God's responsibility to make sure your preacher's not deceiving you. Make sure it lines up. Make sure the things that I say about the word of God rightly dividing is lining up Amen? <laughs> we have a duty in the Bible. 
we got a duty in our closet. We got a duty to get in a secret place and pray. We have a personal duty to get along with God and spend time maintaining that responsibility of prayer, holding up people in prayer. We have that daily responsibility. Right? We have the personal responsibility in the church. As a preacher, I ain't got no duty. Everybody's got a place. Right? I need somebody to preach to. You need somebody to preach to you. Hello? I need, some, I, need to, I need to come have fellowship. I need to talk to people. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. There's, there's sometimes there's friction. There's, I mean, when you sharpen a knife, you glide it against a stone or a little heat. But listen, we all have responsibility. Amen. If people aren't here, I miss them. If I'm not here, I doubt they miss me. Amen. <laughs> but listen, I, I'm just trying to say, listen, we all have a responsibility. And if I happen to have to be away, I want to either take my church with me to the place I'm going to preach or make sure somebody comes in and fills the gap to feed the sheep. You know what David did when he went to battle? Amen. He left the sheep with a keeper. That showed responsibility. Amen. His brother goes, what would you do with the sheep? You know, he said, hey, they're with a keeper. You understand? He was obeying his daddy. His daddy said, go down and find out how the battle's going. Oh, yeah, take these cheeses and different things as you go and tell your brother, I want to see how things are going. So he shows up in the pride of his brother and said, what's the little boy doing here now? Right. He's doing his responsibility. He kept the sheep. He had somebody with the sheep. He's taking the supplies and getting news and sending back a report to his dad. Amen. You understand? He was responsible. That's how he got promoted to king. He was taking care of the little things. Amen. Listen, we all got our place. And I skipped number two and made it number three, so we'll go make number two number three, all right? Personal. (laughs) Amen. Rightness. Now you notice I didn't say righteousness. Because there's a lot of people that got personal righteousness and go die and go to hell. Right. They justify themselves and they think everything that they're doing is right when it's wrong. Right? You, you go down here, these girls down here dancing on tabletops, taking their clothes off. They don't think they're wicked. They think I'm earning a living to pay for food to take care of my babies. There's girls out there turning tricks, selling their bodies, saying I got to make a living and pay the bills and I got to put my kids through school and this is the only way I know how to make good money. She doesn't necessarily look at it as sin. She looks at it as, hey, it's a job and i got to do it. And men will pay for it, so I might as well go for it. You understand what I'm saying? There's some of them girls that will do that and still have a husband because they're making good money. And then they got a loser at home that allow his wife to go do something like that. It's just beyond me. Listen, she's got righteousness. It just ain't very good. But I'm talking about personal rightness. Brother Spurgeon said it like this. He said, are you doing right or are you just doing right things? God's interested in us doing right. Amen. Amen. Bob Jones Sr. said, do right though the stars fall. Do right. Amen. We must do right. 
Pretty simple. Do the right thing. Do right. How's your right? You want to pray in the Holy Ghost? You got to do right. He ain't going to come bless a, a, a series of bad living. Right? Fire guard nickel in my heart. Lord won't hear me. Amen? Hello? We got to do right things. For some reason, I got it all mixed up. That's all right. So what do you do if you're doing wrong things? Turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. David said, It says the chief musician, David, when he, the Nathan the prophet came unto him after he'd gone in on the Bathsheba, having have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitudes of thy tender mercies, blood out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me against thee, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be just when thou speakest, and, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I shape in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desires truth in inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, and the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. God, please. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. He said, God, I'll go work for you. I'll go tell somebody about you. He said, deliver me from blood guiltiness. That's where he had a man murdered. You understand? He sent Uriah in the heat of the battle and he died. Thou God of my salvation, my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. You know what he did? He had true repentance. He got right. And when David got right, you know what happened? At personal revival. Amen. Good. Amen. Yeah. You want personal revival? You gotta you gotta get right with God. And if you get wrong, if you if you wrong somebody, you gotta get right with them. Amen. You sin in public, you get right publicly, you sin privately, you get right privately. But the bottom line is you go and you spend time and get right with God. Amen. Pour your heart out before him and listen. Then you can pray in what? The Holy Ghost. <laughs> He'll show up. Amen. When you get serious like this and you get a broken heart and say, God, I messed up, I blew up, man, I, I, and you just flat laid out there. Amen. God will show up. Amen. If somebody's been stealing from God and somebody gets right and they show repentance, what are they going to do? They're going to start giving again, won't they? Yeah. If people get right with God about not reading their Bible, what's evidence? They'll start reading, they'll start reading again. If they're not praying, what's going to happen? 
Start praying. If people are forsaking the house of God, what are they going to do? They'll start showing up. Amen. If they get right with God about not telling somebody about Jesus, what are they going to do? Go tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. If a husband's not being a man, he ought to be in the house and he, he gets right with God and he asks his family to forgive him. What happens? He begins to start being the leader of the home and taking his place. If a woman gets right, amen, with God about I'm, I'm out of place, I'm doing it wrong, I'm, I'm leading my man instead of my man leading me, what happens? She gets in her place. Right? The children, if they're really sorry for, for uh, being disobedient and rebellious in the house, what do they do? They begin to get right and do right without having to be told about it and having a good attitude about it. I know a girl that went and got saved and she went to a meeting and got saved and when she came home, she started cleaning her room without being told. She started doing dishes and chores around the house without being told. And the parents began to start looking at each other and they, she, she even came in and requested permission to go somewhere and they said no and she said okay. And they go, what happened to you? Something happened to you. She goes, well, when I went to that camp, I realized I was lost and undone and, and I needed to get saved and I got saved. And the Lord expects me to obey you and do right. And the parents wound up getting saved because of that. Why? Because they seen such a dramatic change. That rebellion in that young girl was gone when she got right. I got saved and I was backslid when I met my Uncle Fred. But my Uncle Fred goes, what happened to you when you went down Mississippi? I said, what do you mean? He said, somebody knocked that chip off your shoulder. Something happened. Jesus moved in, changed my life. <laughs> Amen. The way I see things, the way I handle things, the way I do things. And when I'm wrong, I get out of the way. God will deal with me. And I go and I get that thing right. Why? Because I want personal revival. Yeah. Amen. I got down in my chair one day and, and I knelt down and prayed and got everything right as I can know I could get right done. Had a preacher friend of mine said, Something happened to you, preacher. He said, What happened? He said, About a year ago, you changed. And I went back to that place in my office where I knelt down and forgave everybody of everything they've ever done to me. And then I forgave me for everything that I held against me. For all the sins and crimes and iniquities and the bad things I did in my life, I had to wind up forgiving myself. And you know what? That preacher and his wife happened to notice something happened to me. <laughs> Amen. You know what it was? It was a personal revival. That I was making sure that I could cross off every error in my life and make sure that I was right on every point I could be right on. I was in a camp meeting down in North Carolina. Preaching got on. Something happened, and the Lord says, you need to go call your mom ask her to forgive you. And so I'm down in North Carolina, called Tennessee. Hey, Mom, just called to tell you, I got right with God about some things this week, and I just want you to know I love you, and I forgive you for everything that ever happened. Every now and then, my mom will send me a card, and she'll be beginning to bring up the past and, and uh, how she's so sorry for the things that happened in her life. And I'd say, Mom, that's all under the blood. We've already covered that. It's, all, it's already taken care of. We don't have to go back over that. It's all forgotten. It's all gone. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what we need to do. I told a young man today, I said, the bottom line is, is when you bury the hatchet, make sure you bury the handle. Amen. Amen. And we're to forgive somebody in such a way that when they're forgiven as though that never happened. Yeah. Well, that's a tough one. 
Well, it's real easy to remember the wounds and the hurts and the pains and uh, the stake and the mess. But when God forgave me, it's as though it never happened. Amen. And I'm telling you, then personal revival will show up and then we can pray in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Amen. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Brother Gabriel, would you pray for us?